Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Peace, everyone, and welcome to the Edible Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa L. Jones, broadcasting live from the lobby of The Line, D.C. This podcast is where dynamic people of color in the food and agriculture space share their personal food journeys, passions, and perspectives that stem from the land, all exemplifying the spirit of activism in their own edible way. Let's get started. Peace, everyone. Um, I'm your host, Melissa L. Jones, with the Edible Activist Podcast, broadcasting live from the lobby of The Line DC here on Full Service Radio. And um, I'm excited, as always, because I have, I am sitting in the room with, like, all this melanin, okay? (laughs) I got three beautiful, beautiful women, which I meant to say that before y'all walked in, okay? Three beautiful women of dying diaspora, all right? And so I was hoping that they wouldn't like kick me or push me anything like that because I was so pressed to get them in all together, okay? Because <laughs> it's the it's the dynamic trio as I'm going to call it. All yeah. right. So welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you all. I am such a fan of your platform. Thank you. I really, really, really am. And um, they have a platform, but they're they're business. They're entrepreneurs. Like y- y'all are amazing. So. Anyway, um, started in 2014 by Mame, Nana, and Nina, Dine Diaspora is an agency based in Washington, D.C. that amplifies the influence of African food culture around the world. They work with culinary creatives and brands to drive value in new and existing markets, curating immersive experiences that celebrates African cuisine. You can find them putting on great events like Chop Bar, Dish and Sips, and Chef Studios, and probably elsewhere in the D.C. area turning up for the culture, right? (laughs) I know y'all turn up. (laughs) Y'all turn up at y'all events, and I know y'all got to do a little turn up on the side. Definitely. Don't sit here, Presty, okay? I know y'all do. (laughs) They're all pointing to each other. No, all three of y'all. Welcome again, ladies. I'm so excited that we made this happen. Um, And I'm just always, it's just always an honor to have um, just dynamic people in my space. And like I said, I'm a huge like fan of Dine Diaspora. I, I need to make it out to events. I haven't made it out yes, to an event, but I'm still out. a fan. Okay. Come out. I can't de- wait to have you. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> so in this episode, we are going to get to know each of you because these women are from Ghana. <laughs> Beautiful. Ghana. Ghana. So we're going to get into those roots, y'all. And then we're going to learn how the Dine Diaspora got started. And the gap that you guys are filling, because obviously you noticed that there was a need, there was a lack of experiences, there was a lack of culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. Um, and so you guys are really filling a true void with your platform. 
And we're going to explore the African diaspora just a bit in the flavors of the land along with food and identity, because that is a large part of what you do with your platform. Um, so we're just going to hop in um, again. You ladies are from Ghana, and um, I'm not sure um, how long you guys, I know you've been here for a while, but I'm really interested just in learning about each of your or, origins, like briefly. So we'll start with Nana. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at you, kid. <laughs> I was like, no, it's <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so I was born and raised in Ghana. I came here when I was 13. I think that's, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I almost gave up my Don't age. Yourself. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and I've been living here since, um, of course, back and forth, going home and being here, but mostly staying in this in the U.S. Wow, yeah. wonderful, Mame. Yes, Mame, <laughs> and uh, I was also born in Ghana and um, lived there quite briefly, so until the age of two. Okay. Then my family moved to London, and then from London we moved to the U.S. and moved around a little bit. And I found myself in D.C. in 20, 2007. Yeah. Okay. Nina. So I, um, obviously, I'm also from Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I came to the U.S. when I was seven. And I actually grew up mostly in the Northern Virginia area. So I've been here forever. Wow. <laughs> so I'm, I was, I'm just as much Ghanaian as I am a Northern Virginian DMV person Absolutely. as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Mame... You, I'm sorry, not Mame. Nana, you have been in Ghana the longest. Yes. What are some of those memories in Ghana? Wow. Um, let's see. I mean, in terms of memories, uh, I think a lot of the things that I remember, it's not the same because technology has changed a lot yes, currently. That is true. Um, but I do get a chance to reminisce with my friends when I go back, the, the kids that I went to high school with. Um favorite things we would do is um so you know with music music would come out now right in the mm -hmm. u.s in the western world but we'd get it later very late so yeah. we'd <laughs> learn all the lyrics so i mean now people call me an old head but it's like i was forced to be that way it's not bad the music just never got to me exactly the music never got to me at the right time when it came out um, but it's it's amazing to sit there with a group of friends and learn every lyric to like the boy is mine and <laughs> and, and sing word for word. But those are some of the fun memories that I have with my friends. And also like um, I think one thing we loved to do was read um, Sweet Valley High. <laughs> oh wow! Just like us. <laughs> Did you do anything Ghanaian? <laughs> Don't do that. Well, Don't you're do my that. neighbor. <laughs> we loved Sweet Valley High, and we'd always take turns. So one person would get it, his parents would go to. So we lived in like a community, and the big library was in another city away. So one parent would go get it, and then we'll all just shit, take turns reading the book. Um, community. But yeah. Um, and what about any your food, like significant food traditions in Ghana? Oh, Christmas. Christmas. Christmas was Christmas, the jam. Christmas is when it really mattered. Okay. Christmas is when, you know, chicken will be killed. You will see a chicken's throat being cut, ready to be boiled in hot water to the take European. the feathers off. Okay. <laughs> but that's when we all come together. I mean, to be honest with you, no one really thinks about gift giving mm -hmm. for Christmas. We're more of a 
hey, I haven't seen you in forever. Here's this jollof rice I made for you. I love you. Like, it's yeah. we're all about community and eating together and being in the same presence. So I think even coming here and realizing how Christmas is such a gifting thing it's it was it wasn't really something I'm that was normal for me and I think I still struggle with even giving people gifts or even (laughs) working on what type of gifts to give people because Christmas is just hey we're here we're eating good food good vibes family loving times all of that no wonder food is your love language (laughs) (laughs) oh food is your love language I mean (laughs) cooking food everything in between I, I do love food a lot I do and, too. and napping. And napping. Yes. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm not mad at a nap. I'm not mad. Um, did you feel, either of you ladies, um, again, I know, Nana, you were here the longest. I mean, in Ghana the longest. Um, and Mame, you were there for a couple years. And Nina, seven years. When you came, I guess speaking to, to um, Nina, did you feel like you were separated from anything or something was missing when you came over to the states even as a young child definitely it was hard i can't say i think anytime you move anywhere especially as a child because your whole i feel like as a child your whole center of your world is probably your neighborhood Mm -hmm. your school and family members and so coming here and all you had that was familiar is probably your family members right some of whom you haven't seen for a long time because everybody was moving somewhere mm-hmm. um and getting oriented it's hard it's just it's not easy you have to make new friends you have to get oriented to a school system that you don't know um also like perhaps a language people might think you have an accent yeah. i mean all these things that come up and back then it wasn't cool to be African like you know it was like you know people didn't know like where Africa was I mean they knew but it was all these negative stereotypes about African countries everybody's poor everybody's hungry everybody needs money you know so and especially kids really are the ones that they see these things on TV and that's all they know. Right. You know, they, they don't have other things to compare exactly. to. So they're going to bring it to school to the one person they, they feel see like. They the little orphanage exactly. on TV. Dial 1-800 to feed a child. Exactly. And, and that's all they know water. about yeah. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they come to school, I'm the person, you know. And I tried so hard to, like, not be that person. Yeah. Um, not deny it, but also trying to, like, you know, be more involved in things, be, you know, make friends that you know didn't really harp on that things like that yeah okay okay now um i want to touch on the african diaspora and defining that for some audience members who may not be because a lot of people are disconnected to a lot of things so definitely um and i'll can tap on mommy while she drink while she's while she's sipping her water <laughs> okay to to nana okay yeah uh, uh, though, okay. Oh, <laughs> this ain't no, no. basketball game y'all. Okay. <laughs> but definitely define <coughs> the african di- diaspora and what that like means to you respectively as well because you may you know have your own way of how you define it and what that means to you and your heritage. Yeah, and for me and also just for Dine Diaspora Mm -hmm. in in general, we um, define it as people with heritage and connection to the continent. So um, mainly black people all over the world. Mm -hmm. So the diaspora here are people that either were born in Africa, moved here, or have heritage on the continent in some way. Whether you've traveled there, it doesn't matter. Right, um, right, but having right. that connection and recognizing it is really important to being a diaspora and recognizing it. Um, and then 
for us and, and for me, certainly, I, I, I consider people of the Caribbean, um, people that um, are on the continent as well, people in Europe that are black people. Right. So it, it's just our connection as a people all over the world. Um, and if you just recognize that you have a heritage in Africa in some way, you're a diasporan. Absolutely. You're just someone that now carries that wherever you go. And to me, that's beautiful about Africans and black people all over the world, that we can be anywhere and yet still tie our roots back to a continent that's so beautiful. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it Mama. doesn't, yeah, it really doesn't matter how removed you are, you know, mm. really. It doesn't have to do with the years, but right. the connection that you feel in your heart as well. And I think that we're really experiencing a beautiful moment in our history where we are a lot of people are reclaiming their connection and the connection once a connection that maybe they didn't want to claim mm-hmm. and now we're reclaiming it through a lot of things that are being done DNA testings travel as well mm-hmm. with Dying Diaspora doing that through food as well and really exploring who we are who we've been who our ancestors are as well and and the beauty of what has come through the African continent and how it's touched so many other continents around the whole world do you see this resurgence of people really wanting to make that connection? You know, because I know as of late, I've been not not even as of late, but I'm pro black. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Sometimes I blame this work for that. But I'm like, no, I'm unapologetic about it. OK, right. not a, y'all know when I was sitting at <laughs> yeah. that pineapple yes. event. Yeah. <laughs> I got a few emails. OK. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but I got emails with people saying, thank, thank you, you. Yeah. for speaking your truth. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but do you see this resurgence with people just really, you know, wanting to connect back to their to the land, to their ancestors, where they've come from, you know, doing the DNA testing? You know, do, do you see that? Is that becoming more prevalent? Because you... I, I mean, I think... To be honest with you, in this time and age, yes. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people who are interested in the African continent, be it through travel, fashion, food. Um, I think um, creating different experiences, even through Dine Diaspora and other avenues, allow people to feel like, okay, even if I can buy this $1,500 ticket and get there, I can still go to this event, fill mm. it, and still be like, hey, I'm for my people. Yeah. You know? So I think, in a way... Um, there are so many avenues here in the in the U.S. and around the world that's allowing people to find a connection back to the continent. And, I mean, there are instances where people may feel like, oh, well, well the people on the continent don't necessarily want us there. And it's like, not true. I mean, Ghanaians are like some of the most friendliest people ever and are always arms wide open for people to come um, through. I also think it's amazing to see these kids going to prom with their like African ensemble. Like, man, I want to redo prom (laughs) all over again. Look, I want, I want, I want the Ankara outfit. But it wouldn't have been a thing back then. So at the same time, it's like the moment is right. It's beautiful. I'm all for it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then there are people who, of course, are like, where was that same energy back then? But I also believe in progress and progression in life. And it's okay for there to be a time when we start recognizing that we have a lot of ties back home. There is a home for everyone, and that's on the continent. Let's take our resources, our love. Uh, power, uh, good vibes, and energy. And I also put it in there. Um, Ooh, I think that, that this moment is not just about like culture, fashion, music. I think it's also about 
economic and political yes. um, recognition for black people all over the world, especially here in the U.S., where I think over the past couple of years, we've seen so much being done to people of color, especially black people. And I think this insurgence of pride in a place where you can be from, that people look like you, that have people in power that are like you, um, an imperfect place, we might say. But uh, that connection is so important. I think that also is aligning with this um, fervor for culture. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Like, what is the food like? What are the people? Like, what is the language? Mm-hmm. Aligned with political and economic, like, you know, um, trajectory, I think, is, 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 uh, is, is aligned. And it's different than just, I think it's cool. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I grew up um, in, I actually grew up in Silver Spring. I grew up in Silver Spring before it is what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so before all the discovery, I was there when crack cocaine, <laughs> you know, crack addicts were laying. That's that's the Silver Spring I grew up in. And I grew up along me and my sister and my parents. We grew up in an apartment building and it was a melting pot. I grew up, I had African friends, I had Indian friends, I had Mexican friends, I had Ethiopian friends, I had Jamaican friends. I don't even know if I had a white friend in that building, okay? <laughs> now I think about I don't think I had a white friend. I had a meal every other day, all right? And so I, I remember we were on the sixth floor and our neighbors were Ethiopian. And as a child, first of all, our first babysitter was African. And I rem- I've had sticky rice. I had, I had, ev- I had every food on, on the planet, okay, just about. And, but I remember those experiences. But our Ethiopian neighbors next door, I couldn't wrap my mind around the traditions that they, you know, um, celebrated, especially when someone would die. It was an all-night affair. I mean, there would be like 100 people in like that two-bedroom apartment. (laughs) And you wake up the next morning, and they're still like, you know, singing and celebrating. And I was just like, what is going on over there? But it's... It obviously didn't hit me until now, you know, bringing their traditions here and keeping them alive and relevant. And the whole DAS, like that obviously as a child didn't make sense to me. And I look back at it and I'm just like, wow, wow. I mean, my friends are still cooking the same food that, you know, that their family cooked over in a whole nother country. I mean, I have friends from El Salvador, every single place. And it's just amazing how it's just, it hits me now. And, and it's a beautiful thing, like you said, to still want to remain connected. And, you know, my family is from the South, from Mississippi. So just even in the States, my parents have always made it a thing for us to go back every single year. So just like you, even though you might only been in Ghana for two years, that's still home. I'm going to, for me, Mississippi right. is home because I knew that coming up and my parents made sure that we were still very much immersed in like our tradition and our family. Right. So anyway, I just wanted to plug that in. But this is Melissa L. Jones here um, with the Edible Activist Podcast broadcasting live from the lobby of The Line DC here on Full Service Radio. And I have the wonderful pleasure of speaking with Dine Diaspora and I have Mame, Nana and Nina. Is that two N's and one M or two M's and one? <laughs> one sure. M and two, two N's. That should be a shirt or something. Yep. I don't know. We're going to take a break in a few moments. But what do you feel that we have gotten away from as for black people who are descendants of Africa? Because that's what I believe, regardless of who wants to fight me on that or not. For those who want to just say they're American. All right. <laughs> Whatever, that's a whole nother thing. My opinion, all right. But what do you feel like we have 
gotten away from. And I know this is going to tie in, obviously, to part of the reason why you all started Dying Diaspora, which we'll get into the crux of that. But what else have we gotten away from that we need to connect back to or with? Um, hmm. Let's... I mean, there's if there's a, any, well, I know there's something, but you know. I mean, there's, there's a, I think there's a plethora of things, but I think um, on a really uh, basic level, I think a lot of the culture and identity that mm. I can say I have with Ghana, my brothers and sisters here can't say that. Mm-hmm. And through DNA testing, yes, that can be done. But still, you're giving a plethora of countries and told, hey, you might be right. from here, there, and there. 1% um, here, 0.05%. What does that mean? It's, <laughs> it's not even necessarily a fault of, mm-hmm. you know, one's doing. Um, but I think that's what I, I mean. What do you guys think in my... It's true. true. (laughs) (laughs) Nina's like she ain't asked me, (laughs) but no, that's what I that's what I think. But again, you can't really feel tied to a culture that Mm -hmm. you've never had Mm -hmm. or haven't Mm -hmm. been introduced to. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people that take it upon themselves to also do research and say, "Hey, this is what I align to, and this is what feels like home to me." And some don't. I have great friends who pretty much don't believe even in the word African diaspora. They're like. I'm American. And I always say, you know, it's okay. Like, yes, mm-hmm. that's fine. Meet them where they're at. Yeah. That, but that for true. me, it's like, you know, there's a lot of culture and identity. That even within Do you my- feel disrespected, though, when you hear that? Because No, not you don't? really. Okay. Be- I, I only say that to say you shouldn't feel disrespected. Because okay. if someone doesn't have any connection and ties to a place mm-hmm. and they don't feel like they should call themselves the African mm-hmm. diaspora, I think you should allow them. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think we're all entitled to where we feel connected right. and tied to. And I agree with that. But I'm just saying, knowing where you come from, you know, is there... Yeah, <laughs> but but like, like as if the person is looking down on, you know, connection to being African or Africanness or... And I'm not even saying that they're saying that because they're looking down at it, but maybe they don't know who you are and, and, your, and where you're from. It, but, but I also think I'm on the privileged side of things when you okay. think of it because I do know where I'm from. Okay. I do okay. know where my mom wow. and my dad come from. Okay. So I've never it, heard it's, anybody put in that context. It's, it's a bit odd to fault them okay. for oh I can't connect to the African concept right. now when you're demeaning that's a whole different con- yeah. conversation because again the media has this perception of what Africa is and it's everywhere people think of that and there are so many young talented Africans that have created content to showcase that the Afri- the continent is not just one thing mm-hmm. there's so many different things occurring on in all these different countries that are mm-hmm. there one Africa is not monolithic it's not one exactly. it's not it's one not country monolithic. you know so again um, you can't fault people for not believing in your views you have to meet people where they're at absolutely and accept absolutely I mean of course eventually reel them in but you know <laughs> if you can like you said you meet them where yeah. they are I mean even my platform meet, meet them where they are right. everybody is not going to be on the same page and yep. not going to have the same beliefs and you have to meet them where they are now and what I what I gather from your response and I think I've talked about this on previous episodes there is a real identity crisis here people don't know who they are right and I think that's part of the part of a larger issue yep. at hand here right. you know like 
from everything that's going on to mental health issues and you know so it like people really don't have a sense of who they are and then obviously you have social media that just doesn't help in the situation (laughs) at all you know like it really is a true identity crisis because I feel like if you know who you are you know you would have more of a foundation um, of your character and um, you just I feel like life may I'm not going to say it'd be perfect but you know, you just yeah. have a you're it keeps on solid you ground. It keeps Richard, you grounded. I do, I do. I personally do find that people that you meet that know themselves racially, culturally, mm-hmm. are tend to come off to me as more authentic. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. an authenticity about owning who you are, where you're from, mm-hmm. and whether or not it was a great place or not. Just right. that recognizing that this is w- what my story is. Um, I, I find them. I personally find them more authentic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when that there's that gap it's often difficult for me to connect it, mm-hmm. it's often very difficult um but that's just something i've noticed over time that yeah. that element is something and I, I don't think you have to perfectly know yourself because i think right. growth is about discovering yourself over and over and over as a person but that I, idea of that i'm looking for a cultural connection within myself um an identity of a race culture all that what is what is that to me i think that discovery process is essential to growth in a person you are absolutely right on that note we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back Listening to Perfect Day, produced by Artists Authentic. For more of Authentic's work, visit allornothingstudios.com. Welcome back to the Edible Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa L. Jones, broadcasting live from the lobby of the line DC here on Full Service Radio with Dine Diaspora, Nina, Mame, and Nana. These women are so phenomenal. Y'all Thank are. You. Y'all Thank really you. are. Oh, I really just, I like y'all and I like y'all <laughs> platform. I do. I'm like crushing. I do. So they are entrepreneurs. And that's the other thing that, so we're going to dive into Dying Diaspora, which is your baby, yes. all y'all's baby. <laughs> Nana and I just had baby a conversation. Baby one. <laughs> <laughs> Nana said this is her first baby. <laughs> and so definitely want to um, let our listeners know what is Dying Diaspora and why you guys got started. Kind of know why y'all got started, but we're going to jump into the crux of the business side. 
They, they pointing at you, Nana. <laughs> Q. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Dine Diaspora has definitely evolved um, in the years, but um, to get started, we started Dine Diaspora to bring people together. We were, I'd been in D.C. for a number of years, and I felt like, there needed to be more than just the networking, more than just the happy hours. And when I met Nina and met Nana and we all got together, we all decided that like, yeah, it should be done. Something should happen. So we um, cooked up this idea to have a dinner party. And, but we were very intentional about who we used for the dinner, like who would make the food. And representation has been important to all of us and so we wanted ourselves to be represented in the food that we would present to the table and how we would commune um, and present culture through food in addition to getting people together from different industries and getting them to connect in a more authentic way than just meeting let me get your business card and peace out because they ain't going to follow with you anyway. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no. And so <laughs> that's how we um, began to build our Dine Diaspora community and grow that into uh, a platform that is uh, digitally and as well as through some of the live event experiences that we have. And as you like talked about in the beginning, so the Dish and Sips, mm-hmm. um, the Chop Bar, mm-hmm. which is our annual event. Uh, the chef studios as well and you know there's more to come in the future as well but we've definitely evolved in the years but it's been very important for us to be a business and not a non-profit although we do have a social angle to the work that we do and a social mission to the work that we do as well or an organization. You're so. a, poor, a, a for-profit, all right? And I want them profits. I want all the profits. Oh, it comes to us. Okay. This ain't us, pay us. This ain't for free-free. Right. And it's not because it's just us, too, yeah. but yeah. it's the touch points and the work that we do, too, in, in order, you know, we work with chefs and culinary creatives, mm-hmm. and it's not only to just amplify their brands, but to also create... Uh, experiences and as well as connect them to projects that also amplify their brands and grow their businesses as well Mm -hmm. and it ties back into the importance of being economically um, uh, sound yeah and and to grow in 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 that space and being sustainability yeah we talk about sustainability it just ain't about the soil and the farms and the land you know it's about viable businesses Mm -hmm. and so that's like that's the other piece that i really like about your platform first of all i can tell how intentional y'all are about your craft (laughs) and about your platform okay i can tell it i can see it and i love it and they are crisp and they are on point and nina's laughing okay like i can tell and I like that. And, you know, the, the really great thing about this space of the folks that I invite into the studio, they're all building something, you know, even for some who aren't making money and they just want to do it as a hobby. That's their prerogative. But we really have some entrepreneurs who are coming in this space like, yes, there is a social mission to what I do, but I'm also in here to make money, right. you know, because health and wealth. I feel like you can't. You, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. You all, you guys do a lot of amazing events, and um, I'm not sure how recent this is, but I do remember one that you had at Kith and Ken. 
I wasn't yeah. there, but I was like, darn. Just a few months ago, yeah. Yes. I went to Kith and Ken, y'all, and I had like that big ass fried fish snapper. snapper. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an experience. <laughs> but I've had uh, the pleasure. Uh, is it Chef Kwame? Yeah. Yes. I've heard watching. him speak. Um, and Dynamic Brother and you guys really really y'all partner with some really amazing people Um, so walk us through what someone can because you you guys have an event coming up yes we do chop bar yeah get your tickets get your tickets get your tickets right for profit not for profit don't be sliding in no DM talking about how we can slide up in there okay don't ask for discounts don't ask for discounts don't do any of that you've been warned you've been warned Um, so that's coming up Nana says she'll be able to sleep when it's over I'm sure you all probably feel the same way one week immediately So what can someone pull from this experience? I sent it to my girlfriend. I was like, we got to go. She was like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> it just looks like so much fun. But what can what can someone pull from that experience? So, And why is it called Chop Bar? Yeah. So let me start from where it all began. Yeah. Um, like Mami was saying, we, we started doing very small events, very curated, and perhaps even some might say a bit luxe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we noticed that people were wanted more, and for they wanted larger events. So Chop Bar came about as a way for us to be able to offer what we do to a larger audience, about 300 people. Um, and the vibe that we wanted to create was less, you know, you know, this is exclusive. We wanted everyone to feel welcome, that this food is for you, this um, opportunity is for you to try and engage and meet new people. So the idea, the concept of Chop Bar, the name of it actually is derived from a Ghanaian phrase that is chapar. That oh, is, yeah, okay. and it's actually a thing. So chapars in Ghana are makeshift restaurants. They're pretty much come as you are restaurants, very um, shabby looking sometimes. Oh. <laughs> um, but what's great about them is that they usually have great food. I was going to say, them be the exactly. place that got the real authentic exactly. food. Right. That's where I want to go. It's basically yeah. like a hole in the wall that yep. we yep. would equip Sign up to up. something like uh-huh. that. Yep. And, uh-huh. But the vibe is great. The people, the, the cooks in the back are having a good time. The guests are having a good time. Nobody's worried about what you're wearing, what you're doing. There might be some music on it. You can do whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the food is good. So we wanted to bring that vibe to D.C. So we created an experience around the idea of bringing a chop bar out of what we know in Ghana and also around other um, countries just like Ghana and bring it here in D.C. So we create that vibe um, and it features a a chef this year. We're featuring chef Eric uh, Ijapon, who just finished um, Top Chef as a finalist. Um, He's creating a, a tasting menu of five dishes that he's crafted just specifically for this event. Uh, we're bringing on a DJ, basically a celebrity DJ named Nana Kwabana. Um, we'll be spinning some amazing tunes for us. Y'all want me to turn it up? Yes. Oh, and if, turn up. if you have seen, <laughs> yes, you have turn to check out it. the social you media from and just the yeah. stuff we've captured from last year. People dance. People have a yeah. good time. They have, they have food in one hand and twerking <laughs> on the other hand. Listen, yeah. we listen. We we do it all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's just so much at the event. This year we were introducing a new element where 
Um, we're allowing people to also try some, some, some food brands that they might not know um, that they could invest in, they can purchase, they can meet some of these founders that are building their brands as well. So there will be a section for that. We've got a marketplace, um, so much stuff. And I have to plug our VIP yeah, experience. experience. All right. Uh, okay, so if person. you are a foodie of all foodies <laughs> and you want a dynamic experience, you want a chance to meet Chef Eric, a whole bunch of stuff, nice. you need to be a VIP guest. Now, tickets are going fast. They might be sold out soon. So yes. get your <laughs> tickets. <laughs> Big Chief, right? Big Chief? Big, Big Chief. Chief, yeah. yeah. So it's Sunday, July 28th from 2 to 6 p.m. at Big Chief, and that's Ivy City. Um, yeah, Uber, Lyft, <laughs> Metro. Especially Many ways to get drinking. there. Yeah. Because y'all got drinks, right? Yeah, yes. of course. Absolutely. Be safe. Drive responsibly. Yep. <laughs> They're safe. Come hungry and ready to like dance. Exactly. Yep. Um, now, I know you all have another component to Dine Diaspora, which is the Chef's Studio and the Dish, the dish and Sips dish insects i can talk um so really briefly let's touch on that and really the storytelling component that you pull into both of those pieces i like how i all look at one another <laughs> i'm giving y'all cue cards next time hold one up i'm gonna be like i'm yeah. like mama oh, <laughs> mama so my <laughs> works with the chefs and okay. stuff so, so we, yes. <laughs> take chef. it away mame <laughs> yeah i think uh storytelling is it's a very important component of what we do and just looking at dish and sips look I I think I broke (laughs) 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 and um, looking at dish and sips and just looking at chef studio as well so dish and sip let's just talk about the play on the word too so we're either dishing it or we are sipping on some tea and really sharing uh, something really that's authentic to what's um the subject that we're talking about and for chef studio it's a great opportunity for our chefs to really go through a culinary journey through their menu like why they decided to present this menu to um, our guests and what does that look like and what are they telling and what are they sharing about themselves and their culture through this menu and through food as well so uh, a few years ago we were able to work with chef Pierre Cham um, who is based out of New York and is everywhere around the globe oh and really do a journey through Senegal with him, which was a, a beautiful experience, not only for us, but for attendees as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it was there that we got to taste his product, which is Yuleli food, Fonio, yeah. too, which is now in stores. Yeah. Um, it's a grain that is originates in um, West Africa. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. That's now that's about to... It, it Note it here. You heard it here. <laughs> it's about to make here. waves <laughs> All right. in the U.S. Definitely, it's yeah. on its way to being something that people, you know, are, is at the tip of everyone's tongue. I don't even know how y'all stay so physically fit with these events because <laughs> they will be rolling me out, like literally rolling me out and down a hill. Okay, like who does all these tastings? Who? who t- I do. <sighs> I I am yes. the chief taste tester. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Once in a while, you know, we, we, we are lucky <laughs> to like, taste some food. Yeah, to substitute her. Right, to substitute her. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like the... Mame, if you ever want an assistant, you know, you know just what? temporarily. Just Let me know. Just tap an assistant. Absolutely. Well, chefs, you know who to reach out to if you're ready to, like, 
throw down and you need someone to taste it so we can, you know, decide if you're the one. You know? <laughs> it's like courting. Exactly. Listen, look, food is important. Yeah. People talk about have a have some bad food. People gonna talk about oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> real. That's really real. Really well. I mean, another thing we do also is work with brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside of working with the creatives behind food, whether it's product makers, chefs, we also work with brands that are trying to connect with them and a lot of times that's part of the storytelling so we match brands that want to um, sell their products or sell their services with chefs that can help them do that through events that they could curate together through campaigns that they can do together that um, surround food so we're also on the other side where we're getting major brands to recognize that food is a way to connect with customers. And whether you're a food business or not, let's use food to attract people. Yeah. You can attract me through food, good food. <laughs> not just anybody's food and not bad food, but good food. Good food. Well, we're going to wrap up in just a moment. And I feel like I could spend another like 30, 45 minutes with y'all. But I got stuff to do. Y'all got stuff to do. And chop bars. Saturday, July 28th. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, July Sunday, Sunday, July 28th at Big Chief. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. And it's like when you support Dine Diaspora, you're not just supporting these wonderful ladies and their time and their energy. You're supporting every single piece of this event. Our all right. Chefs, chefs everybody. Every yeah, the DJs, yep. the DJs, the entrepreneurs, yep. the food entrepreneurs. It's very intentional, yeah. and I, I'm glad you re- I'm glad you said that because we put this together, and it's not just because you're coming to an event. When you walk into this event, you are investing in mm-hmm. people, in businesses, mm-hmm. um, and we make sure that th- they are the highlights. It's not yeah. us. We right. never get on you're, a mic. We never. You don't see us. This us. You're gonna see us running around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, in the corner with a drink at one oh, at oh, one point. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know how they would look at <laughs> yep. what, how these women would look at? Each, no, I don't want any problems sipping on a drink on the corner. They gonna kill me. <laughs> All right, no drink until after the event's yes, over. Um, before I get into my series, my rapid fire series, what is what is in store for the future of Don Diaspora? Because. Nana, do you remember when I asked you when we were sitting on that panel at that um, pineapple event? I said, where's your show? You remember when I asked you? <laughs> you did say that. But I was so serious, though. Wow. You did say that. Because someone that. asked a question about how do you feel about other people telling your story, white people telling your yeah. story, basically. And I had went into this whole lame situation and whatever. But I said, where's your show? Because I really, truly believe that this platform, like, Y'all do a lot. Like, y'all have a lot of content. So, I was not playing when I asked. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. Speak it into You know. Here. Just invite me to the tastings, you yeah. know. That's, that's Don't all. worry. Um, what does the future hold for? And I know there there isn't just one answer. And I know you guys have a lot of plans. But um, I know that you all do a lot of futuristic futuristic thinking um when it comes to your platform and i know you want to grow this um the, your your events to much you know bigger um bigger events um and you want to diversify i'm sure in some some capacity your platform um add to the chef studio but what what does the future hold if you could just kind of sum that up and 
Or can you? I think we should all take turns. <laughs> all right. You just got like yeah. 10 so seconds I, to piece I can go. So, I mean, we're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary this year. Yeah. So that's exciting. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I think one thing that I would love to see, at least even if I'm not able to see it, but like my kids see, would be... Um, African food culture being on so many platforms, be it restaurants, be it TV, um, seeing culinary creatives that are really, really proud of where they're coming from and showcasing those foods and not feeling shy about showcasing it and not feeling like they're going to be pigeonholed if, if mm, they do. Yeah. So changing the narrative in the culinary industry in a larger scale when it comes to what African food culture looks like, um, that's kind of what I see as the legacy for this, for us, at least. I yeah. can dig it. And just looking at business owners, um, our foods being on in supermarkets yes. and in, on yes. shelves everywhere yes. and having that be something that is, is normal, you know, Easily and it doesn't, accessible. And yep. doesn't have to just be in the ethnic um, aisle. Al, right, you got to <laughs> yeah. go to aisle 10 right. just to get your <laughs> ethnic food. <laughs> Why isn't it with all the other white right. food stuff? Or the other juice and stuff. Well, I got to walk all the way down. No. Right? Um, I would also say I want all of that and more. And I want these things to happen because Thine Diaspora had a hand in finding the right people and connecting the right brands to the talent. And in making that money that mm-hmm. we need to be able to do all that yeah, stuff. Say so, it again, Nina. So, yep. so for, for me, I want to see us get there, but I also want us to be able to invest in other brands. Mm. And that would be the ultimate, like when we are the decision makers at the table, when we're the ones choosing, hey, you're ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. Let's get you in this magazine. Let's get you um, with, this, um, with this grocery store. I want to be at the table as a decision maker, as Diane Diaspora. And I think... We've galvanized so much knowledge in the industry, and I think we're on our way to hopefully being that stakeholder. I believe it, and I see it. I have like a trillion other questions for y'all, but we ain't got that much time. I got to go, and I know Jack want to go home, okay? And I got to go eat some ramen. So anyway, um, where can everyone find you on social media and on the interwebs? Um, so for our, our website, www.dyingdiaspora.com, for all our social media platforms, is at Dying Diaspora. Um, and of course, you can also follow Chop Bar DC, which is Chop Bar underscore DC. Um, and check out um, the event, what's happening on July 28th at www.chopbar.co. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. All right. So y'all ready for my rapid fire? Yes. Let's go. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to ask a question and I mean, y'all, all all three of y'all can take turns. Okay. What is your favorite leafy green? This is Nana. Spinach. Okay. Nana says spinach. Kale. Lettuce. Mama said kale. Okay. All right. Lettuce. 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 I don't think I've heard any. <laughs> just lettuce. That's it. Yes, basic. Okay. And you can find Butter it lettuce. anywhere. Regular. We got lettuce. You, you know, you got to switch it up. Sometimes you want the iceberg. Lettuce? I don't really like iceberg. iceberg. No. <laughs> that has no but, nutritional but value. But you know what? You can find it anywhere on any burger or anything and nobody well, sometimes complains. Sometimes you don't want it. Sometimes no. you don't want the iceberg lettuce. You don't be kosher all the time. Okay. Sweet, spicy, sour, or salty? Nina. Sweet. Mame. Spicy. Spicy, but old age is telling me to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. I'm not going to ask what that means. Okay. <laughs> Favorite fruit? Oh. Oh. Mango. Mango? 
Hang on the house. Nah, nah. Guava, but I don't have that much access to it. But yes, I do like guava. Currently, it's a banana. Like today. Nina is a Done diaspora lettuce. You gotta eat it. I ain't judging. I ain't judging. Get get all your potassium. Okay. I I got you. I got you. It's basic. You can find it anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Any country. You be like, banana. Everybody understands. Everybody knows what a banana is. Who made that probably Lena Horn? Like, it was all over the world. Like, whatever. All right. What's cooking in your pot these days, literally? I'm gonna start off with Nana because she says she loves to cook. So, I made my first. Uh, skillet cornbread. Are you serious? Oh, okay, and I, I got the that. I got the recipe from Tasty. It was so good. Oh gosh, I've always Where's wanted ours? to try it. <laughs> In her belly, <laughs> Mame, what you got cooking? What do I have cooking? Well, you know, I've been. I was recently in New York, and I went to this food experience. Um, by Chef Binta and you know she used Fonio and I also have Fonio as well so I've okay. been experimenting with what did you experiment? Fonio Fonio I made Fonio by itself and then some stew as well what's Fonio some tomato based stew it's, a, it's, the, it's an ancient grain oh the grain yes. the grain yes. that we yes. talked the about grain. earlier okay yep. got yep. it okay got it. oh yeah. nice mm-hmm. alright and Nina so I made this um, tilapia coconut stew oh bang gosh. in okay. oh so you are who's this who's this we went, listen, oh, upgrade, y'all. We went from lettuce to banana to a coconut tilapia. Girl. See? See? No. See? <laughs> All right. Since Nina is the Oprah of, of Don Diaspora, y- y'all's Oprah, I'm going to leave this last question for her. What is one way someone can channel their inner edible activism? By being their authentic self and finding the food that makes them, invigorates them, and they and um, also sort of makes an impact on others. So, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Oprah got this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies, again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so much so fun. Much Yay, fun. Yeah. I'm so glad. Y'all are hilarious, We are definitely man. edible activists. Yes, yes you are. They're we official. Are, they got badges. their buttons. Yeah. Yay. All right, y'all. Peace. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We are here live on Full Service Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m., where you can catch today's episode on fullserviceradio.org, as well as iTunes and Spotify. Be sure to follow me at Food Talks in Color on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Are you an edible activist? Sure you are. Come join me on the show. I would love to feature you. Just shoot me a DM on the gram. Peace and blessings all. And remember, there is no culture without agriculture.